What is up? You have found I Like the Blazers. I am your host, Brandon Goldner, and today I'm excited to share that our guest is Ryan Whitledge of the Blazer Tag Podcast and also of Off the Glass, where you can find his writing. What I'm not as stoked about is that we're doing a immediate reaction post-game pod of the Blazers 107-99 to loss to the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings were missing, by the way, their two best players in De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, or at least two of their best players. And this was a discouraging loss for a number of reasons. And I don't want to go too far into that right now because we did talk about it on the pod with Ryan. So with that, I got nothing more to say uh, other than I hope that things turn around. I hope the Blazers do better moving forward. But tonight was a little bit disappointing, but we still found some bright spots kind of to hit and at least we had an interesting conversation so without further ado let's get to the interview with ryan whitledge of the blazer tag podcast right now what is up ryan whitledge uh i just have to say right off the top i am slightly pissed the blazers just dropping a game to the kings uh rapid reaction how are you feeling right now right this second you're only slightly pissed. I'm more than slightly pissed. Only I'm slightly. Trying to, trying to, trying to, <laughs> trying to restrain myself. Okay, look, uh, trying to be a professional here. Um, but enough about me. How are you feeling right in this very moment? Because I have plenty to say, and I'm going to get to it shortly. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a mixed emotions. Part of me wants to be pissed, but the other part of me is realizing that. The rosters that we're running out there now and the lineups that we're running out there now is nothing of what was envisioned or planned at the beginning of the season, regardless of level of play or, or whatever that certain guys are bringing, either it be Tolliver or wait, Whiteside. Wait, hold on a second, Ryan, but Neil Olshay told us that this is the deepest, most versatile team the Blazers have had in his entire tenure here. So certainly they can weather a couple of injuries and certainly they could beat a bad Kings team who themselves is missing two of their best players. Certainly a title contending team can do that, can't they? You would think so, but also remember there was a point in time before the Hawks game the other night that we were looking at only having eight healthy guys and had to rely on bringing Moses Brown back. By the way, um, Moses Brown, I know he didn't do much in the box score, but to my eye, he actually looked pretty good. He moved well. He looked like not super overwhelmed. So, you know, I mean, at least they have a warm body. Uh, Blazers dropping this one to the Kings. So the Blazers falling to what is it? Are they three and seven on the season? I don't even have it up here. I think they are uh, four and seven. Are they four and six? No. What are they at? But God, foreign. Sure, that sounds great. God, I'm just numb to it. I avoid the standings <laughs> nowadays. Uh, I am obviously not prepared for this at all. Uh, I believe that they are four and seven with this loss uh, against the Kings. Um, yeah, this I, is I mean, correct. ESPN confirms. So let me just start here. Okay, so regardless of how much you want to shit on Neil Olshay for the roster construction, the team wanted to be a title contending team. A four and seven team is not a title contending team. Uh, Rodney Hood will be back at some point. Zach Collins won't for a while. Nurkic won't for a while. So let's get out of the negativity for a quick second. I want to go back to it, though. Don't worry. Do you think that there's any hope of the Blazers being able to tread water for the next couple months? That's because I, I I feel like as of right now, if you're looking for optimism, that's probably where you have to start. Do you think it's possible that they can tread water for the next few months? 
I think this is their version of treading water. Honestly, oh, Not, no. I, I don't think tre- I don't think treading water is is going to be you know hovering a game or two above or below five hundred. I th- I think that, that, w- that we'll probably be seeing this kind of basketball and this kind of record for a while. So where were you when you were watching this game tonight? Were you at home? Were you at a bar? Were you where were you? I I, w- I was in the safety and confines of my couch. Because uh, my neighbors are are used to me screaming and, at and, this point. And sir, how many alcohols did you had tonight watching this game? Because I have to tell you, I'm, I had I had more than one. Uh, this will probably come as a shock and surprise. I'm still working on my first beer. That's impossible. I don't believe it. <laughs> uh, I can, I can I would say I can send pictures, but then you'd think I just hit all the bottles everywhere. <laughs> Good Lord. Look at this. The Blazers, you've gotten Ryan Whitley so depressed. He's not even drinking. This is bad news. <laughs> yes, it has turned me sober. That, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a sign of how far we've come. I, I don't like this at all. And you know what else I don't like? I mean, this podcast is going to be a lot of negative stuff. I don't like Mario Hazonia. What the hell is wrong with Mario Hazonia? I mean, it, it honestly, I, like watching him on offense is terrifying. See, I like Hazonia though. I like what he brings on the defensive end. It, it's it call, call me crazy. I'm in a very small small camp for this, but I I don't necessarily have a problem with Hazonia. I think he plays pretty decent defense. He does good positioning, um, but I do close my eyes when he's on the offensive end. <laughs> um, I have yet to see him make a pass that I thought was good. <laughs> Um, Tolliver's probably my, my, where I direct all my hatred at right now. And this kind of goes back to what, like how well Shea said that this was the deepest and most versatile roster. I don't think he was counting on a, what career, like 42% three point shooter averaging about like 26% from three on the year. So that's obviously going to impact things massively. Kent Bazemore has been a little bit below his career average. Um, CJ, is still putting up a shot for point. So, I mean, if everyone was performing to the level in which they normally do what their career averages say, we'd have a better record, but that's just not happening right now. That's fair. And there's plenty of hate to go around. And by the way, speaking of Tolliver, you could probably have seen in how he played last year that he was starting to slip and this can't be entirely unexpected. Tolliver going one for six tonight. Hazonia was one for four. Bazemore three for eight. Anthony Simons two for 11. So again, plenty of hate to go around. But back to Anthony Tolliver really quick. One observation that I had, and I don't know if you followed his career before he got to Portland, I'll admit that I didn't. But it seems like when I've been watching him lately, the shots that he's getting, it's not that they're super contested. He's getting open threes, but it looks like he's drifting or he's on the move a little bit. He's not fully set, and he's he's, he's putting up these shots, and they don't look particularly good. I'm just wondering if maybe he's someone who needs to have his feet totally set before he shoots, but those are not the looks that he's getting. And I mean, if he's going to be going one for six, I don't know how the Blazers are going to really survive that given that they don't have any bigs right now. So, I mean, what's the solution here? If it's not Anthony Tolliver, if it's not Mario Hazonia, is it Nas Little? Is it Moses Brown? What do the Blazers do in the meantime? Do you have any answers for us? Please, anything. Uh, it is, I can say this unequivocally, it is not Gary Trent Jr. 
in no way, shape no. or form should it be Gary Trent Jr. Because uh, he's 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 1B right behind Tolliver for me right now. Um, little he's been he's I, I like what what he's brought. He hasn't looked lost on the defensive end. He he provides kind of what we're missing, what we lost in in Mo with Mo Harkless of kind of that you know, baseline cuts and, and moving around under the basket and being receptive to passes. So I'd, I'd like to see a little more out of little, um, Moses Brown. I don't know if he's a solution. I, I don't even, that's not the right word. Um, I, I don't know the, the blazers just for lack of a better term, it sounds so cliche. They just got to start making shots. The amount of open, open uncontested clanks and then even tonight too i mean we're typically a good free throw shooting team what we miss like 10 11 i want to say tonight so uh, amazingly the blazers actually shot 77 percent from the line most of those coming from dame who is 13 of 14 and i have the benefit of having the box score up right in front of my face so i can say that um it did feel worse than that though um, yeah it did i actually just brought it up myself and i'm color me color me shocked and amazed yeah, shocked and amazed. Two words that don't describe my mood tonight. And I, I have I have one more rant I want to go on before I want to try to drag this into optimism land. Um, uh, the thing that jumped out to me and that has been jumping out to me that we heard from Miami Heat fans, they tried to warn us, were these empty stats from Hassan Whiteside who went seven for nine tonight, had 17 and seven. Plus four. So if you're just looking at the box score, you're like, hey, he did pretty well. But Ryan, when I was watching the game, the shots that he put up, I mean, I have a note here. I have some handwritten notes. I want the record to show that I was writing notes during this game for what reason? I don't know. But his first two shots were pretty ugly. One of them was this like mid range hook shot that somehow went in. Uh, his second shot, uh, in the first quarter was this like little push shot, which he tends to put up, but it like doesn't have that soft spin. It just, it's it like every time it goes in, I'm surprised. Uh, he, I, I just, I mean, I know that the Blazers don't have anywhere else to go. I know that they don't, I get, they don't have Collins. I get, they don't have Nurkic. They have to rely on Whiteside. They're rolling with this dude, whether they want to or not. But I, I guess maybe no question here, just to comment that to my eye, he has looked worse than the box score suggests. Uh, what do you think about that opinion? Offensively, he's hesitating way too much. Um, Lamar heard, I want to say late fourth quarter or late third quarter, early fourth quarter commented on a possession that he had of that. He, he, he didn't rush a shot and he paused and took his time. But when you see him catch the ball down in the low post, that's, that's actually part of his problem. Instead of turning and going up and, and, and using his size and using his strength, he's, he's taking like half a second to almost kind of like look around and debate on what he should do. And I think that's a little bit of a detriment because it, it gives help defenders time to come and recover. Um, the other biggest issue with him, and I still don't understand why bigs anywhere in the league do this is bringing the ball down low, putting it in a position for a smaller guard who's coming in to come and poke it away. But he's, he's just putting up just so many, I'm going to say it, the cliche word, the empty stats. Um, 
And quick, I want to say, wrote an article in The Athletic here a couple days ago talking about Dame and, and Hassan and um, when Dame actually, you know, cuss Hassan out on the court and was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And Hassan had a quote in there where he's like, I'm doing what I need to do to help my team win. You don't you don't get double doubles every night, you know, and, and not have it mean something. But in this case, it it, it means something. It's he's not. He's not doing the extra things and to go back in last year's team or, or the teams where we were complaining about Mo Harkless now for Aminu, I think we're actually seeing everything that those guys provided. Those didn't show up in the box course stuff by not having it here. And I think maybe we were downing on that a little too much kind of we're, we're now going through a, a buyer's remorse per se in comparison, if that makes sense. It does. And I think that part of what Aminu and Harkless brought and what, what Whiteside doesn't bring that you just spoke to that I want to emphasize is that presence, right? Just that presence of whether it's defensive presence, offensive presence with Harkless and Whiteside or pardon me, Harkless and Aminu is at least the threat of being able to shoot a three In Harkless's case. It was a threat of being able to cut baseline and get to the rim. And that gravity that Nurkic had is something that Whiteside doesn't have. It just seems that when you watch Nurkic play, if you take out the first half of his second season with the Blazers, uh, his first full season, when he remember like skinny Nurk, remember when he came back after that first year was like super thin. He said, it was like, Oh, I'm too quick for people. Um, Oh yeah. He he was too quick for himself. And he he actually (laughs) lost that, uh, that, that gravity for about a half season. But other than that, Nurkic, when he plays, plays with a force with a gravity, with with some momentum that Whiteside just doesn't seem to have despite having the body for it. And it's just been super, super disappointing to watch. I don't know if this is something that maybe over the course of the season, over the course of the next few weeks that Dame can get in his head about, but just imagining Hassan Whiteside playing like a seven footer. If he played at like 80% of the gravity that Nurk had would make a, a, a tremendous difference and obviously wouldn't make up for the, the fact that they're losing or lost Aminu and Harkless. But I think that that would help quite yeah. a bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Hassan's game necessarily translates um, to how the Blazers need him to play. I mean, mentioning Nurk um, and there's a lot of comparisons with uh, with when we first got Nurk and how Hassan Whiteside is. But Nurk in Denver was, you know, he had, you know, shooters around him. He was used to passing out of the post. Hassan Whiteside when he was good and when he was dominant was getting the ball dumped down to him in the post. The plays were running through him or were running to him as opposed to him being used as like a fulcrum on the offense. And so that's where we see the benefit of Nurk is Nurk has the ability to put his back to the basket to, to have his offensive game, but he also serves as a better fulcrum to kind of flow the offense around than what Whiteside's game allows. Yeah, you're right. And if you actually look at the the single assist that Whiteside had was late in the fourth quarter when the Blazers were trying to get back into it and they gave the ball to Whiteside and he was backing up and backing up and dribbling and dribbling. And I was like yelling at my screen, pass it, pass it. And after mm-hmm. like a dozen dribbles, he kicked it out to Simons who did hit a three. And that was Whiteside's only assist, but you're right. Like he wasn't being used as a facilitator of offense. It was almost as if like he didn't have anywhere else to go and just sort of panicked, threw it out of the post. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. So 
uh we have actually a decent number of questions which i do want to get to because i feel like that's a good use for our time but before we get to that uh before we move to those questions and i am just i am as discombobulated as i feel like the blazers are right now was there anything else about this game that you think is noteworthy um preferably if there's anything about this game that you think could be uh, a positive spin that you can put on it put on it or or something in, in inspiring or something to look forward to but 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 just in general is there anything else about this game that you think is worth mentioning probably the biggest positive that stands out to me is uh dame's box score 27 points on six of 10 shooting why so did he only shows- get 10 shots i uh, i he was getting better luck uh, drawing fouls uh, what did he end up taking? Uh, I'm trying to figure do, do, 14 do, 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 free, free throws, throws yeah. for Dame. Yeah. yeah. 14, three free throws. And you know, that's been something that Dame's had a, had a couple games so far in this early, early year that he's had like North of 12 free throws. And that's something, the fact that he's still getting his points on only 10 shots, you know, we've seen him do it a lot this year, a little more than previous seasons where he's trying to spend some time getting his teammates going, you know, going down the stretch. The Kings were just absolutely smothering him. So if he's able to at least take that that double coverage of his teammates aren't hitting and use it to turn it into free throw points, I'm perfectly fine with that. That's my biggest takeaway. Of this game is just kind of looking at his box score and saying, hey, you know, you only took 10 shots, but you still put up almost 30. So that's a solid on my part. Yeah, and as much as we, as Blazers fans, don't want to give any respect to James Harden, and I definitely don't, I also feel that, to your point, that Damian Lillard should be drawing fouls more often, and part of that is just the accentuation of that contact that he'll get. And he did a little bit of that tonight, and that was good. You need to manufacture points when you need points, so yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. All right, let's get to some questions. I'm just going to fire them off to you here. We have one from Brian M at real Brian Mead asks, do you think the Blazers can pull it together before it's too late? Can this roster even pull itself together? Uh, Ryan, what do you think about that? I think it can pull itself together. It's just going to need a few more healthy bodies with it. You know, Rodney hood would have been a huge addition to this lineup tonight uh, with the loss of Zach Collins, which I don't think we'll see him at all this season. Um, We kind of, we're going to need to get some decent minutes out of Pau Gasol. Um, you, you know, just as soon as these little injury bugaboos stop rearing their ugly head, the the potential's there. And so I try not to do the whole, oh my gosh, the world is ending thing when I don't feel I've, I've seen necessarily like a complete product. Yeah. And I, to your point about whether the, Blazers are going to see Zach Collins at all this year. So you don't think he's going to be back at any point this season, not even near the end, not even for a playoff run. You think he's just out, out with that kind of, with that kind of injury to his shoulder, he's going to have his arm pinned next to him in that little sling for probably about a month and a half to two months. And the Blazers had said that they were only going to re-examine him in four months. So that's March. So that's March before they're even going to be able to look at it and deem if he's ready to work his way into basketball activities. So season ends second week, of April, that month and a half isn't, isn't anywhere near enough time in my mind. What if to they get re- him up to shape and speed? What if they re-examine him and his arm is as good as new? Come on. Well, then I'm going to start buying stock in Biofreeze because apparently that shit's miracle worker. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, we got another one here from uh, from Jason Hassler at jhassler80 asks, how many shots of whiskey will it take to make this game feel okay? Um, I'm obviously the wrong person to ask that question to tonight as I've just finished my beer. How many shots of whiskey did it take you, Brandon? <laughs> uh, I didn't have any. I did have some tequila. And for this game, I may or may not have had four or potentially even more than that. Uh, it was it was difficult, I have to say. Uh, my <laughs> answer to Jason on Twitter was infinity to make this game feel OK, uh, which I feel like is fair. <laughs> Uh, got another question here from friend of the show. Brandon Sprague asks, uh, is the deepest team quote from Neil Olshay? And I referenced that earlier that Olshay thought the Blazers had the deepest, most versatile team since he's been in Portland is the deepest team quote from Neil this summer. His new with Al Farouk starting at the four, we project as a 54 win team quote. So he basically Brandon is asking if, Neil Olshay's quote about the team being deep. If maybe that was a little bit premature. Before I answer this, I I, I have a I, this is a direct line from me to Sprague. Hey Sprague, stop hoarding all the good football players in our fantasy football league. <laughs> if you're not even going to bother to set your lineup, I've offered you trades. They go ignored. If you're not going to play, give me somebody. <laughs> Well, you know, fantasy football and basketball aside, I I'll, I'll just I'll just jump in here and say I was one of those people. I hate to admit this. I hate to say this. I was one of those optimists. It was like, well, if Bazemore plays above what he's played before, and if Tolliver comes in and has a bounce back season, if Hazonia finally finds his value, and if Collins and Simons and this and that and the other, so I was actually one of those people who thought. The Blazers would be better this year, even while Nurkic was out. I thought that they'd be, you know, above a 500 team. And so far, that's not been the case. Um, yeah, me, me, me too. But that kind of goes to, I mean, we, we spent how many years with in, you know, in in one relationship and then that relationship broke up and then we immediately, you know, started this one and it's shiny and it's new and exciting. And we're finding out that maybe she's just a little bit crazier than, than we're able to, uh, to tolerate. But yeah, um, I don't know. Neil's good for at least like three mind blowing quotes a year. This is, this is probably just his first of many. I'm sure he'll say something later on down the road. If this really hits the rails that'll blow his you know his previous comment out of the water well the other one that could have gone super wrong is his comments about anthony simons saying that he was the most talented player he's ever drafted and so far i think anthony simons looks pretty good and he's you know he's still only 20 and you can't judge him on being a complete player yet so he's still got a couple more years for that to play out but that could be the other comment that he's made recently that could maybe not work out and for everybody's sake and all of our sake i hope that we don't have to hold him to account for that uh Casey Holdall who's a Trailblazers reporter jumped in on that comment saying that considering they won 53 games last year with Chiefs starting at the 4 that he hopes that that comment does bear out exactly as that first one did so yeah i mean at any rate, yeah, I just I'm feeling all sorts of feelings right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, I believe in that in that original Alfred Camino quote that he went into all sorts of math and numbers on it, where we were just like, "What?" and it seemed nuts at the time. So I don't know. I guess we'll have revisionist history with that. 
Yeah, I mean, revisionist history is the best kind of history. It's the history where you are always right and never wrong, which I love. Uh, got another question here just for some levity from Belgian Blazer. Just for fun, which NBA player or commentator or analyst or personality to you is the most memorable? So who is like your most memorable player, commentator, analysis, uh, analyst or personality when you're thinking about Blazers media, NBA media and stuff? Blazers media. I don't necessarily have a uh, one Blazers specific, but probably former player that's now a commentator. Uh, is, that's the, is that the criteria? The, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of slashes. So it's player slash commentator slash analyst slash personality. So I actually it can be whatever you want. I, I will just say for me as a kid growing up, it's Steve Snapper Jones, and it's not that he is the most. Oh, actually, the question is memeable it's not memorable it's memeable um okay that so, changes my, uh, yeah, actually changes my, my answer, answer too. Work. oh go i'm gonna for it, go sorry. with any of the van any of the van gundy's oh yeah <laughs> highly memeable content there wow. yeah and that and that's and that's whether they're commentating or on the sideline coaching <laughs> most memeable yeah no that's fair um I, I i don't know it's it's tough i feel like the commentators and personalities that are most memeable are doing it on purpose it's part of their shtick and therefore Wait, are I feel we like just are we are we both just completely ignoring right off the bat bill walton should be the answer that it took us way too long to get to but that's the thing right like isn't that just his shtick i think that's bill walton i don't think that's a shtick <laughs> i just think that's bill walton i think he loves volcanoes or volcanoes yeah no, that's true. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 fine. Bill Walton. That's fine. Um, I mean, the other person I think of are just, again, it's like, it's people like Stephen A. Smith. It's people like Skip Bayless. Again, they, they're just professional, you know, take artists. And I feel like that shouldn't really count. So I guess I, I don't have his, 8 million a year. Good for him. He deserves it. He's probably getting ESPN a lot more than 8 million. So yeah, good for him. Yeah. Uh, let's see if we have any more, questions uh not on that tweet but i'll i'll throw in one more uh it's to a tweet that i i pumped out that said i i if you follow me at golden pdx on twitter I, I tweeted out i think it's officially time to panic losing by double digits to a bad king's team without their best player this entire season has been an eyesore and it's not just the injuries and i had a response to that from at dobbler speaks says i'm not at the panic scale yet and 13 away games out of the first 18 is brutal. What small amount of consistency we've seen in the packed Western conference. Um, I am, there's a misspelled word in there, but basically this person is saying, let it play out. Wouldn't be surprised at mid season trades, but let me ask you this. Are you at the panic stage yet? Are you panicking right now? not panicking there's a slight concern level but going into the season we looked at this and said wow our first 18 games are tough you know there's some gimmies in there um but being four and seven is it's not the worst um in regards to the loss tonight um i'm less concerned about this loss than i was the golden state loss because even after that, Damian came out, I believe he had a quote and he uh, saying something about, I think that we actually did think that we were just going to go in there and roll them over. So I don't like hearing when, when players automatically assume they're going to have wins 
but no, my it's I I have slight concern right now. Panic panic is reserved for around Christmas time. I man, I'm panicking, and here's why. I don't see anything structurally that the Blazers can change in order to be substantively better. And given that Zach Collins will be out for a long time, given that Nurkic will be out for a long time, given that Hazonia and uh, Tolliver are playing the way they're playing, I don't know what they can do. Dame can't do anymore. CJ had a good game tonight and it didn't matter. Uh, Whiteside puts up stats and again is not playing with force. And I, I, I don't know if that's going to change his whole career suggests it won't change. So I am panicking because I don't think that there's anything they can do. This might be who the Blazers, the Blazers might be a well below 500 team. I mean, and that's not something that I would have anticipated going into the season injury or not. I wouldn't have seen this coming. Yeah, probably the only thing that I would say is is going to is starting to give me panic right now is that while the team is playing like this, Dame logging the amount of minutes that he is at, at what almost a little over 38 minutes a night. That's th- now that just kind of goes back to, you know, lifelong Blazer fans. So I worry about injuries, you know, every sec, every waking moment of my being with this team. So seeing him put this kind of load on his body right now and, and it kind of being for not that that's probably the only thing I, I have panic worthy. Yeah. And to that point, and speaking of workload, the Blazers are going to be right back at it tomorrow in Toronto against the Raptors. Um, and, you know, I don't anticipate a win. And so let's assume that they lose that game. Maybe they won't, but like if they drop that game, they're going to be at four and eight. And then mercifully they get a break until Saturday at some point I would think, and I want to know what you think about this. And then, and then maybe we can get out of here after this, but like at some point as the losses mount, I'm going to expect not a players only meeting. Cause that's not really Dame style, but some kind of a come to Jesus moment where the team signals to the media or, you know, whether it's Chris Haynes or somebody who they're comfortable with to say, we understand what's happening. It's not acceptable. We're trying to do something about it. Is that something that you're looking for? Do you think the Blazers need to have some kind of a critical moment like that in order to turn this around? Or is it just something that can maybe get, can get worked out in the wash? I mean, if it continues, it's downward trend. Uh, players only meeting will probably happen. They happen all the time, way more than we ever hear about them. But I, I, I don't think that that would, that that's the type of thing that would turn this around. Um, the thing that's probably going to turn it around is it, it's going to, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm expecting this to be the kind of the status quo for a little bit, but you know, if they, if they finish up these first 18 games, when they start seeing a lot of home games then, and kind of maybe, I don't know, get, get a home rhythm cooking and reel off, you know, three, three wins in a row. I could, which low, very low bar that I'm looking for there. You know, I could see that kind of being a little bit of a wake up call to them and be like, Hey, yeah, okay. This is how it needs to be. Yeah, and and you're right. Like there, at some point, uh, we don't know when there will be some kind of a catharsis or release. I mean, they shot eight for thirty from deep tonight. That's not going to continue. If they had hit what they're capable of hitting from deep, they would have pretty easily won this game. And then butterfly effect, the momentum of the game would have been shifted. Blah 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 blah. So yeah, at some point, it's it's going to turn around. But I, I mean, it's I mean, we're getting 
we're getting to the point in the season where the, the cake is being baked and it's not just a two game or three game sample and it's it's starting to get concerning uh and on that very positive note uh let us end uh i appreciate your time right after the game i i know that you're busy and i, I appreciate it uh, ryan whitledge of the blazer tag podcast if people want to reach out to you or connect to your work how would they do that uh, you can find me at the witty Ryan on Twitter. Uh, you can follow my podcast at uh, Blazer Tech PDX on Twitter, and then also uh, find my writing at Off the Glass at OTG Basketball. Thank you again to Ryan Whitledge of the Blazer Tag Podcast and Off the Glass. I always appreciate him taking the time, and I know it was kind of short notice. It was right after the game, so I, I kind of doubly appreciate it. Uh, what do you think? Are the Blazers going to turn this around? Is the season going to get better? Are the Blazers a title contender as they insisted they were? Are they better than their four and seven record? Is there enough time to turn the ship around? And I know it's only 11 games in the season, but those are 11 games that you can't get back. And so I, I don't know, but I'm curious what you all think. If you wanted to let us know what your thoughts were, you can reach out to us at I like the Blazers on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also email us at ilikeTheBlazers at gmail.com. What would really, really help is if you could leave a five-star review, no matter how you're getting the podcast, if it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Radio Public, all sorts of different ways you can get to the podcast. Those reviews really help because they help other people find the show. So I'd appreciate that. And with that, that's about it. So we'll be back as soon as we can. But until then, this is I Like the Blazers. I'm your host, Brandon Goldner. And again, I appreciate all of you. And thank you so much. And go Blazers. Blazers.